How you all going tonight? Are you doing okay? Yeah, so uh, I'm, um, I'm going great. So I, um, it's interesting though because um, over the last probably four or five weeks, um, when um, Ian and myself and um, um, James, uh, not James, uh, Gordon, and, um, and who else came with us? Simon, that's right, yes, came with us, I couldn't remember. Um, we did our trip away and I, um, we were looking to see what God would be saying to us about the future of where we go as a church and all of those things in relation to revival and outback ministry and all of those sort of things. And I remember um, as we were driving around and through Blackall and Longreach and Charleville and all of those places and as we drove back over the Great Dividing Range, I remember we stopped there and we, we built this big cross and um, we actually anointed that cross with and prayed over everything we could think of in Australia, over every single thing. And um, we emptied a, a bottle of anointing oil out over um, that cross and uh, it was way out over the edge because God said to me, step over the fence and go out over the edge. You've got to go out over the edge for this, what I'm calling you to do. It's over the edge. And so we dragged ourselves over the edge and down the side of a, you know, a 90 degree cliff like this with ropes and holding on for dear life. And um, not really, um, but it makes a good story. And, um, and we anointed this, um, this cross. And as we drove away from there, uh, I just had this overwhelming sense in my spirit, God kept saying, it's not just about Queensland. 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 It's time to have a bird's eye view of Australia and the world. And it wasn't just like, oh, thank you, God, for showing me that. That was a lovely little moment in history for me to see that revival's coming to Australia. It was this overwhelming burden and responsibility that came over me um, that has not left me and is causing me... Um, a little bit of angst, if I'm honest, a little bit of not, not fear and trepidation, but a little bit of like, what are you doing, God? Like, what, what, you know, why would you pick us to do this? Why would you choose Amanda and I? And, you know, we've been believing for revival through our ministry for 22 years, and then all of a sudden, here it is, we're starting to see things unfold, and, um, and it's fear and trepidation um, about what God is doing. And I don't think that's a bad thing, I think it's a good thing um, that we, we're leading forward in what God wants us to do. And I was, um, so that's why I'm preaching out of Gideon tonight, about Gideon tonight. And um, we're at the prayer meeting on Wednesday and we were just praying about um, the flooding um, of the... <laughs> And uh, that might not seem funny for some people, but uh, our church was flooded 40 minutes ago and uh, we've got towels laying down and water all through our op shop and sorry, Betty. Um, and uh, it'll all work out fine. It'll all be fine. But, you know, while we were sitting in the prayer meeting on Wednesday, I just had this vision 
um, of um, the flood that we had in Meribara. And, you know, we've had four floods in Meribara this year, nothing um, that's earth-shattering in some respects like for the last couple, but the first two were pretty bad. And, you know, um, and I, I got to thinking about the flood that was in Meribara and there would have been people in our church um, who were not affected by those floods. Um, in a major, major way. You know, if you go out to the Foley's place and they look out, they'll see the flood water rise up to 20 metres before it affects them. Um, they, they, they were affected because you couldn't go here, there. Ian and Michelle would be the same. We're the same in Granville. We're cut off, but we're not affected so badly that it, it causes us major grief. But there would have been people along the river um, who it changed their life. It changed Helen and Alicia's life. Um, it changed some businesses' life. Some businesses closed down. And, um, and so if we look at the, the flood in Meribara, this is the vision God was giving me um, in Meribara, it would have been like, oh, it, it changed people's lives. You know, you know, Brittany had water running through her, her cafe a couple of times. It changed a few people's lives along the way. And, um, but it didn't change all of us. It didn't change all of us. And then God flicked across to Lismore. And I saw a vision of, um, uh, of Lismore and some of the photos that we saw. And I thought, and God said to me, Lismore will never be the same again. Lismore will never be the same again. And he said to me, I want my people, if revival's going to come, to never be the same again. I want my people to have a never been the same again experience so that they can go and do what I've called them to do. And that really scares me um, because what does that mean? And then I was reminded after that um, of my parents' house. Um, the house I grew up in as a child was gone in a heartbeat. It was just burnt to the ground um, in a heartbeat. and Everything gone. And God said, it's time to rebuild. It's time to rebuild something new. You can't work off the old. The old's a great platform. The old's a great way of doing it. But there's a new way of doing things. And I'm going to show you how to build a bridge between us and them and revival. And so, you know, I, I want to say that over the next um, little bit, it, I don't know what God's going to do. But we're going on a journey together and I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what God is doing. And if, you know, if we can have our church flooded and everybody's getting in and putting towels on the floor and cleaning it up and then we can back up for a service, um, then we're doing okay. We're, 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 we're resilient and we can uh, pivot into different directions. Are you okay with that tonight? Awesome. Now, Gideon was some... Um, Gideon was um, something of an unlikely war hero. Um, when we meet him in Judges 6, he lit he's literally hiding from the Midianites, threshing wheat on the floor of the winepress so he won't be seen. Well, this is the man that God chose to use, a man that's hiding um, and, and not, doing, um, not wanting the, the, the spotlight. That's where the angel of the Lord came to him with an unexpected greeting in Judges 6, verse 12. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I want to tell you that Gideon did not think he was a mighty warrior. Gideon had no um, thought that he was a mighty warrior. If we go down a little bit further, he says, I come from the weakest clan and I'm the weakest of the weak. 
And so this man did not think great things about himself at all. Gideon seems surprised by the assessment of who he was. And in verse um, 15, it uh, says, Pardon me, Gideon replied, but how can I save them when I'm the weakest of the weak? After some convincing involving two days of dew and a fleece, Gideon trusted God, made a battle plan, gathered 32,000 troops and prepared to attack. At least that was Gideon's plan A. Right about then, God made another unexpected statement recorded in Judges 7. You have too many troops for me to hand the Midianites over to them uh, or else Israel will think that it was you who saved them, not me. So God proceeded to whittle down the troops twice for the, from 32,000 to 10,000 and then just down to 300 and then the battle plan changed. The battle would not be won with soldiers, swords and shields. No, each of the men would instead, stand, instead go into battle with a trumpet, a torch and a terracotta pot. We'll call that plan B. Gideon's 300 men surrounded the Midianites' camp and on his signal they broke their pots, revealing their torches, blew their trumpets and shouted for the Lord and for Gideon. The Midianites were so frightened and confused they fought against themselves and God used Gideon and his 300 men to defeat them. That in itself is a sermon all on its own. You know, here's this man who thinks that he cannot do anything, um, ends up going, well, I will do something with 32,000 men and that gets dropped down to 10,000 and then that gets dropped down to three, um, 300. And then they can't even use swords and spears. They get given a torch and a terracotta pot. Come on. That would be like me saying to James, don't worry about the water out the back there. Just lay down and roll around in it and push it out the door. Let's not use the mops or anything like that. Just use a child and sweep them. It would not work. It would not work. Might have some of them have a shower for the first time in a few weeks, but it would not work. Only joking. But what I want to say is for, with, with this message tonight is that even though Gideon ended up having the smallest of small armies, God used him in a mighty way to do what he was called to do. All he needed to be was obedient. So my first lesson tonight, the first truth that I want to say is that the mission of God, regardless of revival, regardless of what God calls us to do, regardless of everything that we end up doing, regardless of when we have um, 50 churches, regardless of when we're preaching to you know, 100,000 people online and the churches are filled up with people and there's healings happening and all of that, I want to tell you that the mission hasn't changed. We're not changing the mission. We may change the method, but we are not changing the mission. What is the mission? In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What do we know? God loved the world, he gave his Son so we can have eternal life. So that's the mission. Um, so then what do we do with that? What do we do with that? In Mark 16.15 it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. God loves the world, he gave his Son, so that we can have eternal life, let's start telling people. This is the mission that has not changed. We may change the method, 
We may do it differently, but we're not changing the mission. In Acts 1, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what is the mission? God loves the world. He gave his son so that we can have eternal life. Let's start telling everyone everywhere. That's the mission that hasn't changed. That's what we are going to be here at Powerhouse. Um, and there is an urgency in doing this because it says in Ephesians, make the most of every opportunity because the days are becoming evil. Preach the word and in, Acts, and, and in Timothy 2 it says, preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Rebect, re, um, rebuke and correct with great patience and careful instructions. You know, I think for, um, for Gideon, his plan A became plan B became plan C. And I would think he would be able to think that um, he didn't know what to do in or out of season. And you know, sometimes for me, um, as the pastor, um, and, and sometimes for you as the congregation, we get tired. Um, and we don't feel like we are um, wanting to uh, share the good news of Jesus to everyone everywhere. Um, we might go away and I have a break and it's like, oh, I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling exhausted, I can't do it. But you know what, we haven't got a choice. Because if God's going to use us to do what he calls us to do, we've got to be prepared to say, we'll go from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300 and just let your plan unfold. Now, the problem with me at the present moment, and I'm just being super honest at the, pre at the present moment, is that after coming back from this trip away, I'm seeing people everywhere who need Jesus. And you know what? That annoys me because I have to do something about it. And that is a terrible statement to make. But how often do we let someone walk past us because um, it's not the right time? And this weekend, we were in Brisbane. Oh no, sorry. We were up in, um, in, 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 um, in Tambo. And uh, this lady sitting in front of us at the Tambo Chicken Races, um, she was quite loud um, and she was being quite a little bit inappropriate with her bidding. And she tur turned to us and she said, I'm sorry, I'm deaf. Sorry, I'm deaf. I'm deaf. So I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. Like, we're tired. We don't need this. You know, we don't need a healing on our hands. But I purposed to speak to that woman, Raylene. And afterwards, I said to her, how did you become deaf, Raylene? And uh, Amanda got talking to her husband, Wayne, and, um, and we just chatted away. And she was a lovely lady. It was absolute lovely. But it's, it's okay for her to be a lovely lady. It's okay for her to be deaf. It's not okay for me just to walk away from that. It's not okay. It was the wrong time out of season. We'd just come off the back of a mission. I was tired. We were having a night's break. It was our wedding anniversary. Come on, we can't have a healing on our wedding anniversary. But you know, I decided to talk and you know, and, and not only that, it was taking up time. It was taking up my precious time. Now, I didn't really feel like this because I was actually enjoying speaking to her. But I had to actually go to the next step and go, 
Do you know what, Raylene? I believe in a God that can heal you. Can I pray for you? Boy, do you know how hard it is for those words to come out of your mouth? Has anyone ever struggled with that? Oh, come on. If I'm the only one, there's something wrong. And I said, Raylene, I believe that God can heal you because I've seen him do it. I have faith. Can I pray for you? And she said, I have faith too. I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I said, I don't care whether you're a Buddhist. I'm going to pray for you right now. And she said, I said, can I pray for you? And we prayed for her. And I prayed for God to heal her ears. And I prayed that God would restore her back to full health. And I prayed and believed that there would be a difference in the atmosphere in her life. And you know what? I may never see Raylene again, but I believe that she's going to run up to me in heaven and go, hey, you prayed for me in Tambo. And I could hear by the time I got to Cairns. I was healed. This is what we are called to do. We are called to preach to people, tell them about Jesus and lead them onto an experience with the Holy Spirit. And oh, it is frustrating. Come on. We were in the super, we were in the shops in Brisbane yesterday with my family. I am having a break. I'm visiting my grandson. We're having a lovely little break. We're going out for lunch. We're having a lovely time. And some woman walks past in a leg brace. And I thought, of all of the places in Meribah, in Brisbane you could walk, you could, why walk past me? How inconsiderate, exactly. It's out of season. Come to church and we'll get you healed. You walk in the doors of our church and then we'll pray for your leg. Anyway, to my um, dismay, she had gone and I was talking to my son-in-law and I thought, I said, you know, we should really go and pray for her. And so we, we, um, I, she went and she sat down and then unfortunately by the time I'd got there, she'd up and gone and disappeared. Um, and I never got a chance to pray for her, but I was going over to say to her, hey, can I pray for your leg to be healed? Because in my newsfeed over the last few weeks, um, Todd White has just appeared back into my newsfeed again. He's been gone for a while, but Todd White's this guy in America who just prays for everybody and they all get healed. And he's bold as bold and he does it. And I want to become like that. I want to have our church become a church like that because it doesn't matter what the method we use are and how big we get and how many churches we have and how many satellite churches we have and how many people come through the doors and all of those things, the mission hasn't changed. The method might change, but not the mission. And I want to say at Powerhouse Church, when God starts to break loose in the things that he's doing, it's not going to be about me and how awesome Graham Waterson is. Well, bow down to Graham Waterson because he's awesome. I'm Gideon who's going, God, why did you choose me? And why did you choose these 300 people? Because I tell you what, these are the ragtag mob who were just, who were just too stupid. <laughs> they bent down and lapped. They shouldn't have. They should have bent down. They would have been gone. And this is the group that God's given us and we're going on a journey somewhere to do the mission of God. What the method looks like, oh, I have no idea. It'll work itself out along the way. Awesome. Oh, now I got off track there, that's okay. Are you doing okay? 
God sometimes does things. The truth number two, the mission hasn't changed. But sometimes God does things in unlikely ways. And we have to be ready for it. I think sometimes we, um, we're used to how church used to be. We're used to what church should look like. Um, but it's all changed. There's so many scriptures that talk about that. You know, God used this 500-year-old man to build a boat in the desert to save a whole heap of animals and change mankind forever. Now, I I don't know whether you would have built that boat, but this 500-year-old man um, did it and God used him in an amazing way. We don't know what God's going to do, but if God's got something for us to do, if God says revival's coming to Australia, then he has the method of how we get the mission to the people. He has the method. If it's we have to be 500 years old and build an ark in the desert, well then let's do it. He saved baby Moses by having his mother float him down the river in a basket and had the daughter of the very king who decreed that all the Israelite babies should be killed, adopt him and raise him in the palace. How stupid is that? That's God doing something unlikely. God waited a hundred years for Abraham um, before he gave him his promised son. He used a shepherd boy and a rock to kill the giant Goliath. He told the wedding caterers to fill up the jugs with water and they just turned them into wine. This is, he is just doing things the way that he wants to. The method is always different along the way. He told Peter to go and get a coin out of a fish's mouth. He healed a blind man by spitting in his eye. We don't have time to waste worrying about what we lost due to COVID-19. We don't have time to worry about what we lost due to the recession. We don't have time to waste worrying about what we have lost due to anything. We can't cry over not having enough soldiers and swords. Let's start looking for the miracles and let's start looking for the torches and the trumpets. Watch for the Lord to do something only he can do and then give him the glory for that. That's the church that I want to pastor, where every week we, have, we are weak, we are feeble, but I tell you what, we've got um, torches and we can go out and we can find people and we can bring them in and we can show them the plan that God has for their life. Are you doing okay? But the truth is for me, and this is the, the part of the message that really spoke to me because, you know, I have this massive big map of Australia and I look down on it and I go, God, how are we meant to build a bridge between people? How are we meant to have a church in Coobapiti? How are we meant to work in Western Australia? How are we meant to work in Tasmania? How are we meant to have satellite churches in the Australian Capital Territory, New South Wales, Victoria? How can we do that? How are we meant to pastor those churches? How are we meant to have all these little spot fires culminating together to become one great thing of revival? How are we meant to do it? And God said, well, why don't you just listen to point three, Graham? It's not your battle. It's not your battle. When we look through the account of Gideon in Judges 6 and 7, it's interesting to notice how many times um, Gideon's story mentions God's actions. In Judges 6 verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God approached Gideon to lead the charge. In uh, Judges 6 verse 14, God sends Gideon. In Judges 6 verse 16, he promises that he's going to be with Gideon. 
In Judges 6, um, verse 36, he gives signs of assurance to Gideon when he did the fleeces and all of those sort of things. And then in Judges 7, he filters out the fearful soldiers. In, in, still in Judges 7, he tests the troop at the river um, for Gideon and then promises to deliver Israel with 300 men. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. That's a promise from God. Now, it's a lovely story, isn't it? It's great, you know. But here's Gideon standing there with these 300 men in front of the Midianites who they say, like, you could not see. Um, they were just sands on the beach as far as they could go. And then God gives him 300 men, takes away his swords and everything and just gives him a torch and a pot and says, just start dancing around and whack this thing a few times. And like, I mean... Let's get serious. It's pretty ridiculous, isn't it? And to think that Gideon would go, yes, we're going to win this battle. It's so awesome. I've got 300 men in a clay pot. Oh, and don't forget, I've got a torch. Yeah, what am I going to do? Blind their eyes one by one as they walk up. Come on. You know, sometimes we get, he would have been overwhelmed with all of that. In Judges 7 verse 9, God told Gideon when to attack. In Judges verse 7, he assured Gideon again. And then he handed the Midianites over to Gideon in Judges 7 verse um, 15. It says, When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camps into our hands. And he caused the Midianite army to turn on each other. In Judges 7. It definitely was God's battle, not Gideon's. And the moment that we start to look back and go, um, in five years' time when we're seeing great revival and we're seeing God lay out a plan for what he wants for us to do and how he wants us to do it, and we start going, look at me, look at me, you remind me it's God's battle, not mine. It's God's battle, not mine. We may think it was Gideon's battle, but it wasn't his, it was God's. It was always God's and always will be God's. So tonight, stop trying to carry the burdens of a failed plan A and the stress of an untested plan B. Our lives are in God's hands. Our church is in God's hands. It's not about you, it's about him. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I want to say tonight, when it comes to that... Uh, how crazy that, you know, like we think that story of getting, like how could it possibly be? But here's, they go down and they hear the dream that was given. This loaves of bread roll down into the camp and, and tumble them all over like bowling pins. And they interpret that has something to do with Gideon. How crazy is that? That they even interpret that as something to do with Gideon. And then when he breaks his pot, and he shines his little light and the 300 of them do a little victory dance, all the soldiers turn on each other and kill themselves. That has to be God and God alone. That has to be God and God alone. And as we walk forward in the battles that God has for us, if he has called us to do it, then he will provide the way. He will show us what to do. It is not our battle. It is his. And God will accomplish his pain. God is absolute 100% perfectly in 
control of every circumstance and every situation we ever face. History is his story and he is the author and finisher. He raises up kings and tears them down again. He is our strong tower. He is our ever-present help. He is the Lord over all. There is no one and nothing outside of his control. When God said something will be done, you can know it will absolutely, positively, 100% be done. In Judges 6, God tells Gideon, I will be with you. I will strike Midian down as if it were one man. I will stay until you return and don't forget you will not die. How awesome is that for for Gideon to um, just believe that God has got his back and just to go and do it. Now, I'll ask you a question. Whether you want to answer it or not is up to you. Who would have went? Who would have been in the 22,000 that turned back the first time? Because they actually got a choice. The second lot really didn't get a choice. They just got, um, they just got, you know, if you lap or you don't lap, then you go, you stay. But in the first 22,000, if you go home in fear and trembling, would have you went or would have you been still in the 10,000 and trusted God? But even more than that, when God spoke to Gideon, if he'd spoken to you like that, would have you led the charge? I cannot 100% say yes to that. I would hope that I would lead the charge because God had given him enough to go on. But boy, I tell you what, it would have been in fear and trembling because he didn't think very much about himself. He was in hiding, his clan was the weakest and he was the least of the least. So he didn't think much about himself anyway. God has a purpose and a plan and he will be faithful to complete his plan. You know, let's walk in confidence by faith in what God has called us to do as individuals and as a church. When the time comes for the battle to occur, Gideon gave each of his men their torch and their trumpet and their clay pot and he gave them this instruction. Watch me, he said to them, and do what I do. In that moment, Gideon gives us a beautiful picture of trusting God and winning the battle God's way. He had no idea what was going to happen next. And all of that came from a man who said in Judges 6, verse 15, Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And I want to say tonight that God is going to use us as a church to see revival come to this nation. Do I know how it's going to all happen? No, I have no idea. Do I know what the mission is? Yes, I do know what the mission is. To tell people about Jesus, to get them to encounter the Holy Spirit and have lives that will never, ever be the same again. The method, not sure. But who would have thought two years ago that we would, I would have a camera pointed at me and speaking to people online who would come on and have a little chat from all over the world. We have people coming on from all over the world. 
We have an open door to the world through that camera. And if God decides that He wants to elevate us to a place where that is something that we do worldwide, it's His battle to win, not mine. I can only like so many people on Facebook. I've only got so many friends. Even if we put them all together, we haven't got enough. But when God decides that it's His method, then it's just going to happen. Who would have thought that we'd have the opportunity as a church to pastor a phone church in Outback Australia? Who would have thought that? But in the year of influence, 2022, a year of influence, God is giving us that influence to do those things. Who would have thought that you could do some of those things? And we would say, oh, COVID did so many bad things to us. Yeah, but it did so many good things to us as well. We wouldn't have that otherwise. We have an amazing opportunity in front of us. And I wanted to say that tonight to each and every one of us because, you know, sometimes um, we forget that the battle is God's. We forget that the battle is not Graham's or Amanda's or anybody else's. It's God's battle. And, and let's bring it down a little bit as well. It's not even just about revival. It's the things that go on in our everyday lives. Our health, our finances, our worrying about our future, all of those things. We can go straight to another place. You know, I've had a few health issues over the last couple of months. Um, I've been pricked and prodded and blood taken out of me and blood shoved in me and, oh, I don't know, what not blood shoved in me, but dye shoved in me and all of the things that I hate. And, and it's very easy to start going to Dr. Google to find out what's going on. But I have to go back to the Word of God and go, Jesus walked through a town called Nain and raised a boy back to life. And he was dead, dead, dead. And if my God can do that, then my health is in his hands. It's nothing to do with me. It's to do with God. By his stripes, I am healed. Lazarus was dead for three days and God raised him back to life. There's nothing too dead in our worlds that God can't bring back to life because the battle is his and it's not mine to fight. And tonight, I want our church to know as we get bigger and as we start to grow and we start to see revival come, that the mission hasn't changed. The mission hasn't changed. We're not changing the mission. We are changing the method, maybe, and doing things a little bit differently, but the mission doesn't change. And when we start putting it in perspective and start doing that, and we start to see that God's plan for us is to do what he has called us to do, we don't have to worry about it. We just let it unfold, and we just let him do his work the way he wants it done. So Jess, if you want to come back tonight, I'm about done tonight. But what I want to say is, if you're like me tonight, I think I see so many people sometimes who, um, who come to the altar all the time, me included, but then don't trust that God can actually change them. Don't trust that they can have a Saul to Paul experience. That man encountered the Holy Spirit and was never the same again. And, you know, I, I've met people over the years who um, are still in the same place, struggling, struggling, struggling. Maybe tonight's your night to come and stand in the wet floor up here on the towels. It's a little bit soft on your feet. That'll be good. Maybe that's what you need to do tonight and say, 
I'm sick of being Saul and Saul and Saul and Saul and Saul and I come to the altar and I'm still Saul and I'm Saul and then I'm a little bit Paul but now I'm Saul again. Maybe it's time to come and go. It's time to change. It's time to let the Holy Spirit encounter me and have an experience where I'll never be the same again. Maybe you have a health issue and you need to come and just lay it down at the feet of Jesus tonight. Maybe you have an, an issue that's like Gideon, which is overwhelming and too big for you. It's not your battle to fight. It's God's battle to fight it tonight.